0: Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I am Nick. I'm Matt. And we are here yet again to talk another random monster from a random monster manual. Before we do that, I have a question, fine listeners. How did you feel about the, the Tarrasque month? I was thinking about that today. Do you want to see more kind of deep dives into monsters? Maybe we'll, we'll make... Maybe we'll make that your Christmas present is, is you get, we, we focus on one. And if that's the case, let us know which one you want us to cover. Let us know which monster we want to see the iterations of. Or if it's something like dragons that has not maybe not necessarily the, gr- the green dragon from 2e to 5e, but f- a month full of dragons. Like, what do you want to see? Or are you just happy with random smattering, which we are very happy with two. Right? Yeah, we have plenty to choose from. So, right, yeah. you know, we'll, we can give you exactly what you're looking for. Right. Do you want to see a hobgoblin from start to finish, which would probably be pretty boring, or random hobgoblin, kobold, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? So, yeah, let us know. And as, as usual, I'm going to drop this in right here. Rate us, review us, tell your nerd friends. Thanks. So this week... We have another exciting new book to dive into. I am working off of the PDF because the physical has not yet shipped as of recording. But this is a company called Eldermancy that I backed on Kickstarter. And they have Stibbles Codex of Companions. And it's a lot like Morden Tome of Foes. Stibbles is the, the mythical character who's created this book. And it's basically a manual that has... Little little critters for you to befriend or possibly fight because there there are full stats and everything here, but it it, it seems to be based on a bit of a, a Pokemon mechanic because it's got the list of critters, it's got a whole chapter on training, on raising, on catching, and on uh, fighting with other players with your own. So we are on page ninety six. Of Stibble's Codex of Companions. It is under the Monstrosities header, and this is simply called Bio Number 133. The incredibly rare Bio Number 133 resembles a small, fluffy canine with a metal pack of fluorescent green fluid bolted onto its back. Created by an unknown team of scholars, these creatures get their name. From the number of tests that led to their existence. So it's like Deadpool, basically. Yep. (laughs) Furry pool. Having escaped their creators, bio number 133s now race through new environments, collecting knowledge and physical traits as they travel. They have unstable biology. Bio number 133 is far from a complete project. The tube of fluid on the creature's back contains an unstable substance that has replaced their blood. The liquid makes its body wildly mutable, even allowing it to change its creature type. That's cool. Hmm. I imagine that is particularly useful when it comes to the dueling aspect of fighting with other, other players. It's a lot like in Pokemon, say, like if you have a creature that's water going up a creature that's fi- fire, one is going; the water is going to be more powerful. But if you have something that can change from fire to earth, you 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 change that balance. And I, I'm exactly. assuming it works into into the mechanics of of these guys in that way. Yeah, this is likely. the kind of a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, yeah, Swiss Swiss Army monstrosity. They are they have diverse experience. The more a Bio Number One Thirty Three learns the more qualities it is able to manifest. Spending time around ooze allows them to become amorphous, and time spent near water grants them gills. Although they have only recently sprung into existence, some of the most well-traveled ones can use globs of their blood to reproduce. So already, without knowing the mechanics, without going into anything else about this, this new system, this guy seems pretty OP. To be able to I, to yeah, to like go spend time somewhere, and then all of a sudden you're an ooze.
1: I think that would depend on how long you're able to to go before mm-hmm. learning that. I mean, okay, sure. Do you have it? Are you around an ooze for two days, or do you have to be around an ooze for a year?
0: I, I, it's actually in here. It's further in the the. Te- so that was all flavor text. Now we can get into the the specific block. Um, gotcha. but but it's all it's all right here. Let's see. Bio 133, it's a tiny monstrosity, it's neutral good. AC of 15, hit points of 13, 3d8. I can't imagine any of them have like really high hit points as they're all Probably. little critters. It understands common but can't speak it. It's a challenge of a half, and its rarity is very rare. So, in terms of the dm throwing this in a game like maybe you got to spend time hunting this thing down if you want to catch it you know you got to figure out because they said it's it's a it's an escaped experiment it doesn't it clearly doesn't have any of its own like natural habitat aside from this one weird like scholar's laboratory sure. so so yeah you you make it you make it a challenge even to find the thing uh, environment says any and then taming difficulty is very hard. Yeah. Okay. You got to work for this thing. Definitely. And I wonder if it is, I wonder if it's the, the, I really should have read this, but I, disclaimer, I'm, I'm hesitant to do anything off of a PDF. I love when it comes to a monster manual, I love that physical book. So I, sure. I was, I was putting it off, hoping to get it, but I just love this thing so much that I I, I wanted to. So when we, when I do get the book, we're definitely going to pull out more and I will certainly read the mechanics on this, but I have a feeling it's like you got to whittle it down to a certain number of hit points and then it's a roll percentage to get it in there. We'll do a bit of an addendum when I do read up on it. I'm sorry. I've come to you unprepared, sweet listeners, sweet, sweet bio listeners, but, uh, but we will, we will get to the bottom of this. And also thank you, Eldermancy for a really good product. This is, this is awesome. So, irrelevant to us right now, starting bond points three, suggested personality, brave and childish. So here we get into the, 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 the crux of what we were discussing, adaptive body. If the bio, if the bio one, number 133 spends at least one hour touching a creature of certain types its body physically changes, giving it a unique ability. It can only have one adaptation at a time. So there's there's a good limit there. That being said, like some of these are are amazing to have. And it's really convenient if if you're going into a if you know what you're going into to take an hour while everybody takes their short rest, you assuming you have like an aberration on hand or a celestial at hand, you know, you you gotta if it's it's gotta be touching a creature, but so Aberration, it becomes purple and rubbery and can cast Levitate on itself at will. Celestial, it turns silver and gains a halo. This halo sheds bright light in a 10-foot radius and dim light for an additional 10 feet. And I think I would give anything infernal that comes upon it, like an aversion to it. I don't know what the mechanic would be, but like they would, they would either go into a rage and and need to kill it or or shy away from it either way.
1: Yeah, maybe a disadvantage or something mm. on mm. on attacks against it or something like that. Yeah,
0: depending on how weenie it is, maybe it gets disadvantage or if it's really strong, maybe it gains advantage or gains like damage reduction because it's so enraged by the presence of this thing.
1: Sure, something like that or it basically creates a taunt ability for that creature.
0: Oh, sure, yeah. So so maybe that's a good thing that that it's that it's pulling the aggro, but like this thing is is dinky. You don't want it. You don't want it killed. You know. So it's I I I, I love the the double edged sword aspect. You yep. know. So you're you're forcing your player to to weigh the odds and 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 weigh the the consequences. You know. What, how, is it really worth it? Exactly. Yeah. Then we have a construct. It gains clockwork features and does not require air, food, drink, or sleep. Dragon. It grows superficial wings and scales. Its ranged attack deals fire damage instead of acid. That one seems kind of meh, right? You don't really get much out of it, and it's just doing fire damage instead. Yeah, that seems almost superficial. Yeah. Elemental. Its body is covered in the related element. And it gains resistance to the appropriate damage type. Ooze, it becomes translucent and gains the amorphous trait. Or plant, its fur is replaced with leaves, and it gains the false appearance trait, resembling a shrub. Okay, I I could so see it's... all of those being like pretty useful, assuming you have access to those creatures but the dragon one uh, like unless you're going up against something like a scarecrow like that you know is is weak against fire and nobody else in your party has fire or something that mm-hmm. the dragon one seems a little little weak. I think I'd give it like a a little fly speed or something.
1: If you're going to have wings, I mean it's I mean it says superficial wings and scales but still like yeah. Yeah, cuz then all you're doing is giving it a fireball.
0: Yeah. And you're, yeah, you're taking away its acid attack and, and giving it fire. And it's like, bleh, I, yeah, it, it, it feels weak. So okay. for, for attacks, it has a multi-attack. The bio number 133 makes up to two attacks, one bite and one spew. The bite is piercing damage, five to hit, reach a five. Uh, and the target must make a DC 11 con save or take seven acid damage on a failed save or half, a, half as much on a successful one. So it's a, a D4 plus one for the piercing and then two D6 for the acid. That's, that's not terrible. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible. It's, ch- it's chip away. And if you're fighting someone who's raging, the piercing damage is is in half, but they, they don't have the acid damage unless they save. Oh, but if they're raging, they, they presumably have a good con score. So they will save, but it's, but having variable damage types, in one attack is is always nice. Absolutely, yeah. And then it's ranged weapon. The spew attack is uh, plus five to hit, and it's just two d eight acid damage. Okay. So this is this is the bio number one thirty three. It introduces a little bit of a world of the kind of the mad scientist that goes beyond. Like, traditionally, when I think of mad scientists, particularly plopped into that D&D fantasy setting, you think of, like, the necromancer, right? You know, the guy sure. experimenting on the dead bodies. This is this is different than that. This is a live a creature or, or, yeah, a, a const- constructed flesh creature that is then tweaked even more. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of introducing this possibility into the world.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, it's something new. It's something that is a little less magical and a little more scientific. So you can kind Mm -hmm. of play around with it Mm -hmm. in, it'll fit more systems for sure. Like you could see one of these in Starfinder. you could Mm -hmm. see, but you could also see this in a traditional, you know, D and D pathfinder game where, you know, there is an element of science to that, an element of experimentation. That's not always a hundred percent magical.
0: Right, yeah, it's, it's, it walks that fine line. And just like, actually, I would say, I was going to say just like magic, but I think in terms of that, that high fantasy setting, you get away with more saying, oh, it's, it's the science. It's how did this happen? Oh, it's, it's the scientist. As opposed to how did this happen? It's the magician. The magic guidelines are so well laid out presumably there's a spell to explain everything this mm-hmm. is like ooh science woo you know it's their version of magic basically
1: yeah it basically takes what we're you know the the normal world we're living in and flips it
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's i know there's there's a quote out there or there's there's a lot of 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 technological tech people out there that say that everything is magic until you can explain it like everything is mysterious until sure. we, we discover the science for it. And it's just like if we go back t- in time and play an MP3, it's, it's magic. They just don't know. Sure. I mean, heck, in the 50s, television
1: was magic until they yeah. realized, you know, what exactly it was between the tubes
0: and the transmitters and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It just seemed like magic. And then look at the progression that it is now. Like, if they were to see a flat screen... If they're they're looking at their big like ninety pound four square inch uh, uh, screen in the fifties, and then they look at what we yeah. have now, mind blowing. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: Same thing as computers taking up you know oh, my, an entire, entire building as yeah. opposed to it could fit in your pocket. Yeah. Now.
0: Yeah. That. So. So this. This has that feeling of of that first maybe that first level of technology where, where the technology Mm -hmm. itself is an experiment. Yeah. I, I like that idea because it it really does open up the world to, to a new level of possibility. And I know we've, we've talked about this before there, there are as the DM in your mind, anything is possible. You just haven't put it into that world yet, Mm -hmm. but your players there's a certain level of there's a certain ceiling that they can hit because they don't really know in your mind what's what's possible does that make sense like they they they'll never quite push the boundaries because at least in it, when I'm a player I'm always hindered by like what are the rules that I know sure already even if we haven't discussed and said this isn't possible if we haven't said this is possible, I probably won't push for it.
1: I think that's kind of a, a human nature thing mm-hmm. for sure. They, You know, you think that you're going to play within some sort of well-defined rules, mm-hmm. even if they're just in your mind, like in your own. Right. And you could have four people at the table and they could all have a different ceiling, <laughs> like you said, yeah. in yeah. terms of what they think is possible. And I think as the, as the DM, it's your job to kind of, allow them to expand that ceiling and even encourage them to expand that ceiling by yes. Anding the crap out of things until they start to realize that pretty much anything is possible as long as it makes, makes sense. I mean, it's the rule of fun, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You would, it's, it's, it's a fine line between like being a, perhaps overly respectful player in saying i don't want to i don't want to ask too much of my dm i don't want to step on any toes by by creating too much that they weren't prepared for or something along those lines yeah but it's also not being hindered and and letting your imagination go and and then it's on it's up to the dm to to accept and perhaps build a rule around that, build some mechanics around that in some way. Or you know what? Sometimes it is okay to be like, like, no, this is not possible for for whatever reason. Or honestly, just because I said so. If you, you don't technically have to explain yourself as the DM, if you can find the mechanics behind it to do it, like that's even better. Absolutely. And to be
1: honest, you never have to be so... Authoritarian about it as mm. a DM, mm. like give them a role with a ridiculously high DC. Oh yeah, it, yeah. Just, for, it, force it, the dice DC to explain 50. it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you didn't hit it. Like that's that's the easiest way around yeah. that in my in my mind. But yeah, you want to try to give them as much as possible and let them try to expand their their palette so to speak. Otherwise, you're just just have them read a Choose Your Own Adventure book because that's what they're right. looking
0: for if you yeah if they're if they're going if the rules are that strict exactly yeah. yeah and it's I I love I love that way out you know sometimes it's as easy as as putting the onus on the dice it's it's basically go ask your mother you know I don't want to be responsible to tell you no so I'll make someone else do it essentially yeah. but. I like that idea a lot. I didn't I didn't think of of how how s- simple that response could be to really kind of solve your problems. But yeah, I mean that totally makes sense. The if if you want to to with little to no science knowledge, if you want to create a bio133, sure, who am I to stop you? And you know what, if you can tell me that you You tell me the knowledge that you have and the experience that you have and the materials that you have. I may drop the DC a little bit, but if you've never done this before, it's a pretty gosh darn big DC. And based on the fact that you can only roll a 20 and whatever skills I let you have in there, we can auto say you're not going to get it. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like
1: you can the only way this will work is if you accidentally luck into creating this thing. Yeah. And that would be your, you can only roll a 20 and all these skills have to be above a, you know, a plus eight or something like that where good luck having that unless you're really high level. Right. So yeah. And maybe that's one of those things where you, they want to do this at say level five or six, and you're like, okay, well you can't because your you know your skills in, you know, arcana and you know knowledge certain knowledges or yeah. something like that are not high enough, and then that's what keeps they keep that in the back of their mind. So now when they level up and they can put points in things, all right, I'm gonna go back and create this creature. So I need to up my Arcana by three points and I need to up my, you know, knowledge history by five points, things along those lines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's more three, five though, putting allocating skill points, you know, five E doesn't even do that. The most you get is what is it? Your proficiency bonus goes up. And I know, I know that at at 12, I just made a, a level 12 character just for giggles because that's what I do. At level 12, your proficiency bonus is only 4. Yeah. So you would be adding your proficiency bonus and your your modifier, your skill modifier. So presumably maxed your 20, which yeah. gives you a plus 5. So you're adding a plus 9. So if if that DC is a 30, you can't do it. Unless something that you said, unless you're, you're, the DM allows you to use two of your skills, like Arcana and Knowledge, ooze or or whatever, you yeah. know. But this opens up a world that's really interesting. Of of, I would love to see a game, and maybe it's more of a, more of like a almost a Minecraft or survival type game where you're really relying on these skills and these roles and, and tell me, Mm -hmm. tell me what you're, what you're getting, what you're foraging or, 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 or or bringing together to make this. So it's a step-by-step process. You need to do a foraging skill and you need to do a hunting skill. And then you need to do this and this and this all of, all of it building up to make the final DC a lower role and making that, that easier for you.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it could be uh, almost a palate cleanser type type adventure where you you battle, battle, battle for a while, and then all of a sudden you need to. And I think we covered this in a previous episode, but you're you know rallying the town and you're mm. putting things together to maybe to to ward off a, a goblin army or something along those lines. Yep. But you're using your skills in a different way than just in combat so you know you have a party of four and you know one of them is really good with you know survival roles so they're in charge of making sure that the the town itself is well stocked Mm -hmm. and that they have you know enough enough supplies and enough wood to make the the barricades and all that kind of stuff and then you have someone with more of a you know, an intimidation or a diplomacy and they're able to get the rest of the town on their side and and do all this, this kind of the behind the scenes machinations. And eventually you have a a certain kind of a scorecard where you will have enough, enough points, I guess you could say, where either you're going to survive this battle or you're not going to survive this battle based on those roles all along the way.
0: Right, it lowers the DC or it gives you bonuses to your roles. Exactly. I, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, I just looked at the list and nothing jumped out at me. I think some of it was the Tarasque. in Maybe Probably. like in preparation for the Tarask, And I, 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 I'm fairly confident that we talked about it in one other, at least one other episode. I, I think it was fairly recent. Yeah, I well. feel like we just talked about it in, in terms yeah. of, of, in terms of. Actual published episodes, yeah, can't, yeah. Can't remember what it was though, but but yeah, that's that is a great way to to break up the monotony of the adventure. It's and it's a really cool way to to force your players to prepare in, instead of just like okay, well, I sharpened my sword and I I buff my shield and we're ready to go. Like this 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 ups the the stakes that much more, and it's a really interesting way to use those skills. That, yeah. s- at least in my games, so often get kind of relegated to the side.
1: Yeah, you. I mean, they're they're cool
0: when you initially create
1: the character, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you get excited and you sync like one or two. Y- y- you choose the one or two that you get access to and you hope that you're going to use it. And that's really it.
1: Yeah, and then you it just never materializes. Mm-hmm. But that's on the DM to find a way to kind of shoehorn this in and you know, you're, if you're a DM that the characters or the players, excuse me, will give you their character sheets so you can see what they're good at and whatnot. Then you can kind of tailor that. If not, then you kind of just have to go and just do a blanket, right. You know, blanket check basically and, and see what they can, what they can do.
0: Yeah. But it's certainly, it would be more fun for everyone if you can cater and, and for sure. create this around the skills that they have, you know, maybe make one or two things not, you know, so, so it is a little more high stakes. It, it is a little more, it's not like, okay, well I need perception checks. And then you, you look to the, the cleric with the high wisdom and say, well, that's, that's obviously for you make it something that uh, nobody has like an animal handling. And then it's like, okay, this is really important. We gotta, we gotta try to work together to make this happen.
1: Exactly. Then, obviously have contingencies in place in case they don't make Mm. them. But yeah, you want to make sure that you, like everything else as a DM, you want to give them a couple wins, but you also want to give them the ability to lose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is so important. And it's such, my gosh, is that a hard balance? Yeah. You want to make it high stakes or
1: else. Like I said, you're just reading a choose-your own adventure book. Yeah,
0: you're just game genieing through that Nintendo game that you played as a kid. Yeah, which yeah, honestly, sometimes a lot of fun. Let's not lie to ourselves; like it's a lot of fun. Honestly, sometimes
1: the only way to get through them.
0: <laughs> yes, the old <laughs> Nintendo games. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so this was all brought up brought about by talking about the Bio One Thirty Three. Final thoughts on the Bio One Thirty Three, Matt.
1: I like the bio one thirty-three as a as a creature, as a companion, and as just a a build, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. I like I like kind of the starting blocks of where you can go with this, both as a companion, obviously, as we're this is kind of what we're we're focusing on, but also as a villain's companion.
0: Mm, So fighting this
1: or fighting a couple of these, and maybe they've all got different abilities. Mm I like the idea of maybe having some sort of, I don't know, mad scientist lair where he's able to have a couple of these around, but he also has the different components or different materials, I guess you could say to allow them to absorb that specific creature. Right so there. they have like- a celestial, they have an aberration, they mm-hmm. have a dragon and, you know, as almost a menagerie of of evil that these creatures can then go and absorb at will. Yeah. You know, after an hour, obviously, but still they have that ability to do so and maybe within the the confines of the mad scientist castle or whatever, you're able to uncover more and more. So you see the aberration room and you see the dragon room and whatnot. And then at the end it all comes together as you see these Little
0: creatures, but they have all absorbed these specific right. traits. I like the idea, and I'm, honestly, the the amount of setup time and work to make it happen. I'm not sh- I'm not sure is worth it in in the end. But I like the idea of of having your players do like an occasional perception to to see to find this thing like following them, following their party. But every time they see it, it's in a different environment. And it's, it's, it's absorbed a different one of those traits. So they're never quite sure if it's the same one or not,
1: because it always
0: looks different. It's always doing something different. And then in the end, it becomes your wizard's familiar or or something. I'm not sure. Okay. But that would require them to going in, to be going into an area that had something to do with celestials and then an area that had something to do with dragons. And so I don't know how, how varied the, the whole story of, of that specific campaign would be. Cause I do not see it being worth having all of these encounters being so different just to expose this thing in its multiple forms, you know?
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you could take, what is there like seven or eight different, 3 4 iterations five, six, 7 7 yep. so maybe it's not all of them maybe it's not all 7 but sure. you pick 4 3 or 4 of the closest the ones that that you can kind of shoehorn together yeah. and you know this is going to happen over over levels over you know oh, yeah, a year so you start in january and you see this creature as you know a little dragonling type creature mm-hmm and then as your story progresses maybe it you know you see it as a plant type creature and you think it's a shrub at first right. and then your your rogue does a really high perception check and sees that it maybe it's you know it's something else so you've got right there you have two right away yeah. Yeah. so you can you can shoehorn those in and then eventually once you get through it and maybe it becomes your wizard's familiar like you said then you do a little bit more research and you realize that, okay, there are actually three other things. It, it You know, if we find a celestial, it will absorb this and so on and so forth. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if it was, if you tr- had to try to, to shoehorn in all seven, I, like you said, I can't imagine it being worth it necessarily.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. There, I, I, I don't, I don't know why my immediate thought was like, oh, well they got to see everything like, no, no. If they catch it one or two times, like that—that's enough. Yeah, you know. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, how many how many spews would you give the Bio One Thirty Three?
1: I would say I would just go a f- solid five spews.
0: Okay. I okay. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that. It's some cool mechanics, and I think overall, it's introduced us to this world of these these companions. Yep. And I'm very eager to 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 get more into it, but as a a half challenge rating, there, and and it being designed as a companion, it's there's only so much we can get out of it. I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. I though I do think it is a lot cooler than many of the other half challenge ratings or, oh, sure. or companion type creatures that we have seen, and I I think that the authors here have done a really good job of giving you something else besides the the kind of base familiar or or companion that you normally would see
0: oh yeah there there is tons of flavor and tons of specificity that is that's great like they really this like I I think I said this is they have put some serious thought and some serious writing into this book and I'm really impressed. This is this is like cobalt press levels of, of really good independent studio production here.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could absolutely take this book and create a whole campaign around the creatures in this book. Maybe not a single creature, but create your own Pokemon ish campaign around this oh, where sure. you're basically going through this book and you know, capturing or training or whatever these creatures. So it's I would Highly suggested, especially if you have players that have that Pokemon background and like that, that kind of mechanic, Yeah, it might be something to explore.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a reason that, that World of Warcraft introduced it to their game, my God, at least probably 10 years ago at this point of, of, of animal catching and, and battling. So yeah, I mean, it, there, there is some level of, I want the cute and I want to collect them all. Like there's a Correct. reason Pokemon's been doing it for the last 30 years with however many iterations of essentially the exact same thing over and over. Yeah. They're they're one of the most
1: successful franchises in history Yeah, because of that, because everyone wants to collect things.
0: Yeah. So go ahead and look up Stibbles, S-T-I-B-B-L-E-S, Codex of Companions, or you can just Google Eldermancy. And uh, as of the recording... It is in pre-order right now if you didn't back it on on Kickstarter but you can pre-order it and by the time you hear this honestly it may be out and available but they yeah they darn good product and and I would suggest following them on Kickstarter if that's your thing or or looking up their stuff like really cool. And that is it for this week of random encounters. Thank you. As always, for listening, we really appreciate your having us in your ears once a week for a half an hour, and we will be back next week with more random monsters from a random monster manual. Thank you so much. Hey! Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.